Hello again, and welcome to Arch Eats, where we take a deeper dive into the things that listeners may not know about the restaurant scene here in St. Louis. With me, as always, is co-host and co-collaborator Cheryl Bear. This episode of Arch Eats, brought to you by St. Louis Symphony Orchestra. Uh, In a prior episode, we elaborated on St. Louis Magazine's best new restaurants list, and today we're going to give more details on another subject we collaborated on, our most anticipated restaurant list for 24. 16 must-go-to places that we know of so far. There's going to be a lot more. Then we will finish, as we always do, with a micro rant. But first, we'll begin, as we always do, with what I can't stop thinking about this week. So the thing I can't stop thinking about this week is the thing, actually, we can't stop thinking about. Neither one of us can get over the whole Ben Paremba announcement that he's putting not three but five restaurants in the Del Mar Maker District. Cheryl, I know you and I were just like on our heels, like, you know, holy. Well, we didn't say moly, but we said something else when he got finished with that. (laughs) And uh, it was just uh, an unbelievable announcement. And we really didn't know. We didn't actually have any, you know, post-game analysis, post-podcast analysis. And that's what I think we should both talk about now. What did you, I mean, what was your takeaway from that? I mean, I am, I'm just amazed that he is going to do that. Ben Paremba is a bold person. And I think a lot of people are um, raising eyebrows, you know, how is he going to pull off, you know, not only is he closing his flagships and moving them across town, but he's also opening other things in the midst of this. And I think, you know, to the naysayers, I would say, you know, people tried to bet against him in Botanical Heights as well. And look, look what happened. Look what all he achieved. So I actually am pretty bullish on Ben's moves. Um, I think they're just going to be really exciting and, and great to see. And he was and he was the first to say that. He said, this time I get to do it the way I wanted to do it in the first place, the way it should be built. And I can do it even quicker, you know, basically to come to a new neighborhood that needs this. And quite honestly, I bet he's got great rent there. And uh, it's just a huge uh, opportunity for him. And, and like you said, he is a, he's a risk taker. He is a, you know, he is, he's, he does exciting stuff. He, he takes chances. And that's what, that's what I like about this guy. He was joking that Gerard Kraft at one time moved a restaurant and started another at exactly the same time. Now he's doing that with basically five restaurants. So we've got to hand it to, uh, to Ben Paremba uh, for doing something that really nobody else has ever done. And, and, and really, you know, there was a, Cheryl, you were mentioning some concerns and one of them is that there's no really infill housing in that area. There wasn't any infill housing in Botanical Heights either. His contention is that, you know, having a density of business in a, in an area would drive a change in population in, in building. And, you know, when developers are thinking of putting places up, it's a good idea to have some great restaurants within walking distance. And that's exactly what he's going to do. So my prediction is some, you know, there's going to be some infill housing that's going to follow along here. Uh, You know, I don't think that strip between Union and Kings Highway is even a mile long. But man, by the end of 2024, you wouldn't recognize it. Well, and I know you have people in the Skinker DeBoliver neighborhood who are looking for a place that they can walk to that's closer than the West End. The West End is just around the corner. I mean, what's really exciting about this, too, is that hes they're all such different concepts. And it's not just different in style, but in form as well. You know, he has a breakfast and lunch spot. He has 
a bar. He has a fine dining, you know, restaurant here. He has kind of a reinvention of Olio. So really he's kind of giving a little bit of something to a whole lot of different kind of interests. And I think that's where, um, where he's going to find a success. And I think we might've talked about this before, but what his restaurants, what makes them unique is they work, they will all work in any city. And that's the way he designs them, that you could pick up Olio and put it anywhere in the country and it would work. You could pick up Nixta, put it anywhere in the country and it would work. And that's, again, that's a testament to him. He's got incredible creativity. He's a, a amazing attention to detail. I mean, he thinks this stuff through so well. And uh, I think that's something that, that, that people overlook, that, that uh, you know, these things can literally appear on any corner in any city and be successful. Yeah, they can appear in any corner in any city. They can appear on any corner in the same city. So um, I'm looking forward to it. Boy, me too. Anyway, we'll see. You know, in about uh, nine months, we're going we're gonna to be hanging out in a different part of town, which I think is very, very exciting. Absolutely. We'll be right back. Become a young friend of the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra and join a community of fellow St. Louis arts lovers. Young Friends Nights are your chance to experience the thrill of live music, meet new friends, and mingle with SLSO musicians after the concert. Join us for our next Young Friends Night, Music Fables, featuring the timeless classic Peter and the Wolf, accompanied by the Academy Award-winning short film and Francis Poulenc's colorful Les Animaux Modèles, narrated by Broadway star and St. Louis native Ken Page on January 27th at Stiefel Theater. Get your tickets today at slso.org slash youngfriends. And now, back to the show. So our plan today with our most anticipated restaurants episode is to provide some more detail beyond the written article that we put out a few weeks ago. And uh, we did 16, 18, 20, quite a few. And There's I, a few I, this year. I, I'm going to start uh, with Osteria Forto, which... Again, it's open now, but when we wrote that article, it had it had yet to open, right? Remember, I said we were going to talk more about this place. I remember. And, and, and here we go. So it's open out in O'Fallon, Missouri. Uh, it's uh, extended members of the Pietoso family. And uh, the it's interesting, the, the, the big seller is the a 14-inch bone-in pork rib chop, done salt and boca style with prosciutto and a white wine sage sauce. And uh, fontanella cheese. Oh, that sounds fantastic. And I said, why fontanella and not fontina? Well, it's creamier, it's smoother, and it's a little sharper, which I didn't know. So that's one of the secrets to this beautiful dish that everybody's going crazy about out there. There's a dessert. This is pretty funny. Uh, the, 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 one of the owners is, is the pastry chef, and she makes the Trey Amici cake, Trey Amici, three friends cake. It's a chocolate cake with Three friends, peanut butter, buttercream, chocolate ganache, and salted caramel sauce. Wow, these seem like friends I want to hang yeah, out with. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's so incredible, and it's, it's outselling everything else. And the other owner said, you know, you know, we make tiramisu homemade here too, and normally that just flies off the shelves. He goes, don't forget about the tiramisu, guys. He's telling the servers, you know, don't forget to push the tiramisu because everybody's ordering this. Trey Amici cake. You say peanut butter buttercream, and I don't think you can convince me of anything else. It, it's 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 a really cool place. It's out in O'Fallon. Uh, if 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 you can get there in time, I don't know if they can keep making this, but they're making a homemade barrel aged orangello out of uh, you know macerated orange peels and 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 sugar, and they ferment all that for three months in toasted oak barrels. 
And the owner said, I love this stuff and everybody's loving it, but I don't know that I can continue to make it because it's so labor intensive. So get out there and have some orancello with your Treamichi cake. So that's Osteria Forto, now open in O'Fallon. You've got a place down in, uh, it's called Manileno, that I don't know that much about. I know it's getting ready to open. Yes. So that's one of the places I'm particularly excited about. I think, you know, over the past few years, we've seen some really great Filipino restaurants open here in town. You know, I think of uh, Fattened Calf. I think of... Kay and Teo. Exactly. That's a wonderful one, too, over there in Midtown. And we're going to add this to the list. Um, they're going to open in Tower Grove South. I believe they originally said end of 2023, but looks like it might get pushed as as most things do into the next month. So hopefully sometime in January, they are taking over um, the very short-lived restaurant space um, that was at one time Snow. And um, they're looking to do a very traditional Filipino restaurant. What the family has said is that this is going to be the sort of place where Think home cooking, think stews and, you know, slow braised oxtail that have been simmering for hours, maybe even cooking for like days, you know, in, in someone's home kitchen. They want this really traditional, soulful, satisfying, slow cooked kind of feel to their place there. Um, some of the dishes, like I said, oxtail soup is going to be there. Um, you know, they'll have pensit, of course, adobo. Um, they also said they're going to do some sweets and some imported coffee from the Philippines. So I'm really excited about that. And it's a restaurant that's on two floors. Always interested to see what happens on the second floor of a restaurant, if it's as appealing as the first floor. Exactly. Snow was that way. Snow was pretty cool up, upstairs. Um, now, a place that we went to, again, it it kind of sneaked open all of a sudden. I thought it was going to open toward the end of the month, but it's uh, it will be open by the time listeners hear this. It's called None of the Above. And it is the new speakeasy-esque bar, I guess, if you want to call it that. It's City Foundry. You know, it's, it's, it's in, literally in a tunnel underneath City Foundry. It's uh, from Gerard Kraft's niche food group. You know, it was underground. We, didn't, we couldn't, like, peek through the window to see what was going on. And you enter via a very nondescript man door out on Foundry Way that has a single red mm -hmm. light above it, no signage. And uh, I, I don't want to you know, uh, spoil too much of the, of the surprise, but there's, there's some passageways and there's some secret doors and, uh, you were there. What was your impression oh of the my place? Gosh. I mean, you walk in and I was there in the middle of the day and I might as well have been there. Doesn't matter. Doesn't yeah. matter. You walk in, you go through these tunnels, you just descend into this subterranean world that, you know, used to be and there's a lot yeah. of hallways. It's it's a it's not not a long hike, but you definitely feel like you've you earned do. it when you get there. And what I think is interesting is you're gradually going down these ramps. Like it's not this, you know, you climb down a massive stairwell. Like everything's just very gradual, as if it's kind of setting this tone to get to this space. And then you walk in this door, and it is just absolutely stunning. I mean, the way I described it is it kind of as if Art Deco and mid-century modern, like, had a baby together, you know? Just think, like, these luxe velvet banquettes, this gorgeous kind of, um, you know, amber cognac kind of colored wooden bar, downcast 
lights, like brass fixtures on each table individually. It's, it is it's, stunning. It's sexy. It's romantic. The cocktails are great. Uh, it's interesting. The food component, there's no kitchen there. So at the present time, the food is some uh, some cold items, but they're all really good. And they're not going to do a, you know, a full-blown food program there because, you know, they're right underneath City Foundry. So they figure this is going to be just a special place where people will go for really elegant cocktails. They emphasize that they see this as a sophisticated place. They don't have a dress code per se. You'll feel like you should yes. dress a little bit to go to this. It's It's that cool. It's that sophisticated. And it's going to be that popular. It's going to be one of those places you brag about to your friends, family, people from out of town. And, you know, with that in mind, it's no reservations. Admittance is by walk-in only. And you just have to remember that. But once the place fills up, you go on to Resi and go onto that Resi wait list, which exactly. is a really convenient thing. It's that, you know, hey, we've got four people. They said very well, you know, your table should be ready in 20 minutes, 25 minutes, whatever it is. So, at least you won't be be, be hanging there. Uh, I understand, again, this place is going to be so popular that there will be some sort of time limit on the table. Sure. Uh, I was told that, it, it, and it's going to be generous, but it won't be a place where you can just, you want to hang out there all night, but you won't be allowed to because I'm telling you, it's just going to be that popular that, that so many people are going to want to get in there. And that's kind of a, you know, that's kind of a thing that's happening I think across the country and especially in Europe, these time limits on tables, these guys have to make their money when, when the people are out there. Of so so that, that's, what, that's how that happens. But none of the above, open at City Foundry STL. You heard it here. It is outstanding. Must visit. Absolutely an essential food and beverage destination of St. Louis. Um, out at Westport, I was excited to see all the goings on out there. They tore a bunch of buildings down. There's this huge uh, uh, green space that's being constructed for concerts and parties and, you know, parties at the plaza. And they've, they've recreated uh, the, the soda fountain uh, restaurant there, uh, kind of a mini me version of the soda fountain down at Union Station. And they didn't spare any expense. It's exactly the same. And they spent a fortune on this place. It is really cool looking. Burgers, freak shakes, fast casual stuff. It's not table service like it is at Union Station. So that should be open by year's end, I'm told. And then you've got on the 12th floor of the Gold Tower, the, you know, the new 360, which is, again, we love 360 downtown. It's on the rooftop here. It's not, I think it's a couple floors down, but there's operable windows that open mm -hmm. up. So it kind of feels, you've got, you've got the open air feel there. Westport Plaza is it's all of a sudden it's like it's happening there again and I'm just glad to see that you've got a place um in Webster Groves that uh we both love this is Telva at the Ridge um I said Lauren Malik she and her husband Edo are the owners of Balkan Treat Box which I think if you're listening to this podcast you are very well versed with Balkan Treat Box it is a vital part of the St. Louis restaurant scene. And this is a fun little, um, I guess she she calls it a coffee shop. She calls it a cafe that has their flavor profile, which is, you know, Balkan cuisine. Um, very focused on kind of the Balkan, um, in, in particular, Bosnian coffee tradition. Yeah, the, the Balkan coffee experience, which is done in, I haven't experienced this yet. It's in a little copper pot, and I don't even dare try to pronounce it. Yes. There's two <laughs> There's two Zs and a V in the name. Yes. It's, it's impossible to pronounce, but 
they brew to order this coffee. And I guess the name, Telva, the name comes from the grounds found at the bottom of this coffee. And apparently fortune tellers use that to tell the drinker's fortune. Yes. Instead of like reading the tea leaves, right. you read the coffee grounds. I, I don't know if that's going to happen there, but it should. Exactly. Well, and that's a that's a really fun place. And she's going to have kind of daytime fare there. You know, she's not spilling the beans too much on what her things are. But think of things like, you know, toasts and pastries, a lot of different coffee drinks. It's going to be just a really fun spot. There's a bread pudding that's got, it looks like about three tablespoons of cinnamon in it. Have you seen that? The I have seen with it. That made with the somon bread that it is just, just outstanding. Nexus. Nexus has been a long time coming. It is. And I am so excited about Nexus. Um, I don't know if well, I'm sure you do. You remember the restaurant Bait sure. in the Central West End, that really just sophisticated seafood cocktail lounge. Their chef, at least their opening chef, Sierra Jackson, is just this, in my mind, she's just this culinary powerhouse. She has this knack for flavor that um, that I feel like she's just one of the most gifted chefs that we've seen recently in St. Louis. Um, she's been on the scene for a while, but I started knowing about her at uh, a place in Soulard that's since closed called Fleur de Lilies. Fleur de Lilies, yeah. That was wonderful. Um, and then at Bait, I was really a big fan of her food. Now she's getting to step out on her own. She's going to be chef and owner of this restaurant, and it'll be located in Midtown. It's part of that, um, you know, development there that houses a lot of really great restaurants. Yeah, I call it the 2700 Locust Development. I don't think it has an official name, but there's five restaurants under one roof. There there's are. A, I think it started with um, Canteo. Exactly. The Filipino place. Uh, Anita Cafe is there. Badero Wine Bar. And now Nexus. And there's some. There's a brewery coming in And a brewery in right coming in. So anyway, 2700 Locust is going to be a happening little corner. And, and it really is. It's It's kind of reached critical mass. So so Nexus, when's that supposed to open? So that is, that's another one of those where I think the goal was sometime in December of 2023, but it looks like it'll get pushed into January, possibly even February. And what diners can expect at that place, she really, you know, she's true to the name. She sees the place as kind of this culinary crossroads where she doesn't want to use the word fusion, but she's really drawing on global flavors. She's taking inspiration from a lot of different culinary traditions, and she's really trying to create this gathering place where you can experience small plates from around the world. And I peeked in the windows there. It's really charming. It looks kind of like a, a like a parlor in the Central yes. West End, you know, at the, the old fireplaces and, 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 you know, cushy chairs. And it looks very, very uh, cozy and charming and appealing. That's Nexus. We go out to Chesterfield to Napoli Brothers, and this is going to open, I think, in about April. And this is the the restaurant from uh, the Napoli Brothers being Kai and, and Andy Piatoso, the sons of uh, uh, Tony Piatoso of Cafe Napoli fame. Anyway, their thing there, Napoli Brothers Pizza and Pasta, is these coal-fired pizzas, and it'll be the only place in town that has a coal-fired, the black blistered New Haven style mm -hmm. um, pie that's cooked in a thousand degree oven. It's hotter than any other pizza oven in town. And wow. so you get this incredible uh, crispness and, and blistering and charred flavor like you would from a charcoal, like, like you're cooking it on, on a charcoal grill. So, so that's going to be their claim to fame. But I also understood that they're going to do some pastas there, some fresh and dried pastas like they do at some of their other stores. 
So, but the, the signature item out at Napoli Brothers is going to be the same thing that they have out at Napoli C. It's a pasta that's finished in a hollowed out half wheel of Italian Parmesan. This giant 45 pound wheel that they, they cart out to your table, throw some green alcohol in there, light it, light it a fire, soften up some of the cheese, and then they throw some seafood risotto in there and scrape some of that cheese God. into that and serve it right then and there table side. This sounds borderline obscene yeah, in I the mean, best for, way possible. Well, this is because it's a casual place out in Chesterfield. I said, that's pretty darn cool for being casual. So that's going to be their one table side item. And again, they're they're making a big deal out of it because it's the biggest seller at Napoli C. And they said, we just have to repeat it because it's just so cool. Go for the pizza, but definitely hang out for the flaming uh, Parmesan half wheel. Yeah, I mean, it's, always it's, hang out for the flaming Parmesan wheel. Yeah, yeah. When in doubt, light it on fire. It's one <laughs> of the, it's it's probably the slickest table side preparation in town. Wow, I learned a lot talking to the folks at Forehands slash Peacemaker, the one that's going to open mm -hmm. in Kirkwood. Speaking of taking a long mm -hmm. time to open, again, this is the the two Kevins, Kevin Lemp and Kevin Nashen, and this is going to be really quite large, 315 seats, which is, that's an insane amount. Wow. But what I learned was 75 inside, 75 under like a four season edition. And then a, a, a quote backyard has 150 seats as well. So um, a lot of uh, fun things. It's going to be 50% Peacemaker and 50% Forehands. It's not going to be, it's not going to lean in either direction. But what the fun thing about that is they got a menu board from a place called Oat Foundry, which I'd never heard of who creates menu boards that are akin to those London train station, those old type of boards with the numbers that flap and flip oh, over. Oh, I love that. And so they'll be able to change their beers. Oh, they'll they'll be able to change their menu. Everything can change. That whole board can change completely in 45 seconds. And again, they're right next to the Amtrak station. There. Sure. And they said, we'll even put the Amtrak schedule up on this board that looks like an old train schedule board. Oh, that's anyway. Cute. I I just I, I had to laugh at that. I was talking to Kevin Lemp about it, and he said it's 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 the little things that that separate you. I want people to say this is the coolest menu board I've ever seen, and I said, and they will. So they're going for uh, hospitality. They're going for experience. They're really taking their time on it, and I know that they're going to do um, every quarter. They're talking about doing outdoor shrimp and crab boils with a specific beer brewed for that occasion. They've got all kinds of things cooked up for this, and they're talking about finally, I think they're finally ready to announce an opening after kind of hemming and hawing, uh, April, May opening. And um, that's that's the story there. And again, that'll be a place that everybody's going to hang out, in, especially in that you know backyard that seats 150 people. Absolutely. Yeah, that that will be a uh, one of those places where get there early. I have a feeling... It'll be a very popular spot, and rightfully so. Yeah, definitely, and, and like a yeah, long time coming, but it'll be worth it. So, um, Good Company. Yes. Is that the name of it? It is. I am so excited about Good Company. Um, if you're familiar with Good Ice, this is, Should I guess be. you'd call it a sister company to them. Um, Good Ice It was started by a few bartenders, Jordan Goodman, Kyle Gillespie, um, they're just veteran bartenders um, here around town, and they've been doing, if you've been anywhere and seen those wonderful just embossed ice cubes that are at some of the higher-end cocktail bars, some nice restaurants around town, 
Um, they got their start doing those. They have all sorts of special equipment. It's actually very helpful. It's not a gimmick for restaurants. They're the ones that have the those, giant spheres yes. and the long. Um, the giant spheres, the long rectangles. Yeah. Um, they have like people can put their logos in the ice cubes if you've seen that at places. It's just a wonderful company. At their hearts, though, they're bartenders. And they always thought, OK, well, maybe we could open up a cocktail bar that complemented our ice business. It would be kind of an ice focused cocktail bar. So um, that's the idea behind Good Company. At least that was the genesis of the idea. But when they found the space in the former Layla in the Grove, which is where they're going to be opening, they really saw that, okay, we think the space necessitates us doing something a little bit bigger. So in addition to... Fancy schmancy eyes. Yeah, exactly. In addition to fancy schmancy eyes. And, and I, must, I must say that Fancy schmancy ice does not translate into fancy schmancy experience. They, you know, they want to have a nice, comfortable, elevated, hospitality-focused experience. But it's not going to be, you know, like none of the above where you feel like you have to dress up. They're not going for that. In fact, one thing they are going for is they really want to be in the conversation as one of the best burgers in town. Their food menu, they're going to have a very small food menu. But it's going to center around burgers. And uh, Jordan told me not a smash burger, but not as thick as a like really hearty eight ounce steakhouse burger. Somewhere in between. Not too big. Not too not small. Too big. Goldilocks burger. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, just focus toppings, maybe a fried egg, some really great bacon, good cheese. Um, so that's what they're looking to do. And they do not have an opening date at this point. I'm thinking we're probably like into spring sometime around there when they're looking to be open. But that is good company in the growth. But they're doing brew are they brewing and distilling? I know didn't they didn't somebody call it a brew stillery? Do I have the right place there? No, that's not I don't think that's good company. I think that might be Alpha, which is next on oh, the I list. I think you're right. Yeah. Good company is just strictly think cocktail bar, think kind of neighborhood gathering spot with a elevated hospitality element okay. to it. In the Delmar Maker district is a brew stiller, what they're calling a brew stillery. That's opening up in the springtime, right? Where you're talking about the brew stillery is Alpha Brewing Company. Um, they are located in Tower Grove South currently, and they're getting ready to open in a facility in the Makers District, kind of like a combination events and food space called the Makers Locale. And the whole idea behind this is it's going to be food and beverage focused, but you will be able to witness your food or drink being made in some sort of capacity. The focus is on the maker side. So with that being said, Alpha Brewing Company, they have their, a brewery that they're doing there and, uh, you know, tasting room, of course. But they've also just launched a uh, distillery and they're going. their main focus is fruited vodkas, which they've already released them. Um, they're called Squoosh, I believe is, yes, yes, is the name of them. Um, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Um, so those have already been released, but that's going to be the place where those different. It is, but it's kind of fun to say. Have a squish and soda. Yeah, I guess I'm thinking about like squishing up like a strawberry in my fruit vodka. You know, I guess it's aptly named there. So they're a lot of fun, but they're not the only ones in Maker's Locale. Two very beloved places from the Hustle Hospitality Group, which owns Steve's Hot Dogs and Fountain on Locust. They are opening a second location of Steve's Hot Dogs 
as well as a ice cream concept called Fountain Off Locust. So think of the ice cream and the dessert side they do at the original Fountain on Locust, but they won't do the food component there. And the idea is you'll get to see your ice cream being made. You'll get to see like your hot dogs prepared to order. Um, just a really fun spot that they're going to do there. I was really interested to talk to Gerard Kraft about his new barbecue concept called Expat Barbecue, which was announced a while back. Um, and, and again, he said, you know, the barbecue is kind of universal across the world. The only thing that changes are the flavors and the marinades and the sauces and, you know, how the, the, the meats are, are treated. And he gave me a little sneak peek into one of the uh, items that he's going to be serving there. Ooh. Oh, it's a St. Louis style spare rib, not a baby back. We all are baby back to death. He yeah. loves he loves the big St. Louis spare, the big long flat spare rib that I call the, the the rib my dad used to cook when I was a kid. And on this, he's going to put a, a here, and this is what makes it interesting. There's Chinese five spice, fermented black bean paste, black vinegar, lychee juice, and baijiu whiskey, and. You know, I know most of these except for Baijiu whiskey, and I had to look that up. I didn't know what the heck it was. It's it's a clear Chinese spirit, and apparently it's the world's best-selling liquor. Really? More than whiskey, vodka, gin, rum, and tequila combined. Goodness if gracious. If we are to believe Wikipedia. But wow. anyway, I was impressed to see that, that there was all this detail going into these spare ribs. So. Uh, again, this is uh, what he calls different but still familiar uh, flavors. He's going to um, he's going to take brisket and use seasonings from the Yucatan on that particular piece of meat: cinnamon, oregano, marito chilies, things like that. So the brisket's going to taste different. He's going to do a triple smoked sweet potato. Oh wow! Sounds delicious with flavors from Spain. So there's going to be some a vegetable focus there too. Anyway, a lot of cool things going on. And if you remember, this is that giant space at City Foundry STL, two stories. I think it's 16,000 square feet. And what he's experimenting with, this is really wild, is this food delivery system. It's finer dining downstairs and much more casual kind of sandwich focused upstairs. He's creating this conveyor system to carry the bags from downstairs all the way through the space, kind of looping around. Wow. You can see your, your food traveling up this conveyor to the second floor. And he said, if I can pull this off, it's, it's really going to be cool. So look for a food conveyor at uh, Expat BBQ. It's like that little choo-choo train restaurant exactly. they have in Kansas City exactly. that all the kids go to. And, and, right? and I, I was impressed enough with all that. And he goes, well, let me tell you about the life-size pink elephant. And oh, my goodness. He said, we've named it Patty for Expat. And he's, he consulted the guys at City Museum. Apparently, it's this sculpture, life-size pink elephant. And according to legend, if the tusks and trunk are in a certain position, it's good luck. And he made sure that everything is, you know, the way it needs to be. Apparently, Gerard is a very, very superstitious guy, and he had to make sure that all this was proper and good luck. His, this will be, Patty will be his good luck charm at I love Expat it. Barbecue. Is that for a wacky, just a wacky story? Oh, it sounds fun. And I know he's, uh, I think he said it's the large, it's by far the largest restaurant he's opened to date. 16,000 square feet is I just mean, huge. And I, again, on that second floor, if you, if you see, you can see it when you go up Foundry Way, that 
patio stretches for like a mile. You could wow. like bowl, do bowling up and down there. So it's going to be a really cool space upstairs. And again, slightly up, more upscale, a little finer dining downstairs. Anyway, that's expat barbecue. And I think he said uh, April, May, no, he said uh, March, April for that. That is a cool place. And maybe the one of the more interesting places kind of under the radar is Neon Greens. Yes. And that's opening up in the, the old Rise Coffee House space in the Grove. And it's really the first of its kind uh, in the country, a quick service concept because they grow their own greens and they use these giant uh, vertical hydroponic systems to do that. And um, it's, it's, it's crazy. Uh, apparently there's uh, these giant vertical hydroponic systems that allows the restaurant to grow six acres worth of produce in this little 1200 square foot space. Wow. So they will produce uh, produce on site uh, all year round and they're actually doing it right now and they're selling it to restaurants. Yeah, I went to Mainlander and Mainlander is using greens from there for a salad that they had. And I can tell you, you really can taste the difference between this level of quality. I mean, just think the most tender, homegrown. Well, it's as fresh as greens. it gets. It's exactly. literally plucked right there. And it arrives apparently at Neon Greens on a conveyor. They're, yes. They're, they're conveying this lettuce uh, past the people that are ordering it. So anyway, this is going to be a really, really fun place to go. Freshest salads you can possibly get. First of its kind in the country. Uh, opens sometime this spring. But in the meantime, you might see some of these greens popping up at some local restaurants and, and local shops. I just really like the whole idea and the whole concept. It's just extremely cool. I feel like we've unearthed a uh, potential new food trend for 2024, food via conveyor belt. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. You know, you can't beat a conveyor belt. I think we've got one more. Yale Bar? Yes. And I'm letting you have it because I, I mean, know I know you're just going to just... just... I, I will wax poetically for the next 20 minutes about why Parker's Table is the happiest place on earth. No, I will... I will keep it toned down, but this really is an exciting place um, for those who really see Parker's Table not just as a wine shop, but as a and market, but a community gathering place. The Yale Bar is going to actually make that official. They took over a law office that had been operating um, next door for decades, probably like yeah, forever. And I think they'd always wanted to open something like this, but the opportunity was just never there. So when the law office was out. They they jumped on it, and they're basically just doing a very low key, thirty seat wine bar. Um, they'll have beer and wine, no hard liquor. They're going to be open what John Parker, the owner, calls English pub hours of you know five to ten p.m. Five to ten p.m. You know, probably have some little snacks here and there from the market, um, but just a really low key, cozy spot. And they have such a wonderful wine selection there and such knowledgeable people. I can only imagine it's going to be such a fun curated list. I bet it'll be the kind of place where you're not just getting the usual suspects. They're probably pouring some fun stuff and it's going to be ever changing. Just a really fun spot. And he's got such a knack for for decorating and detail and doing all. Uh, it's very organic and very homegrown. And he puts his tool belt on and goes to work. And everything he does, uh, everything over at the Oakland Room is cool. Everything at, you know, his wine shop is cool. And now we've got Yale Bar at the corner of Oakland. And yeah. And Steve Caravelli, the chef over there, is just not only is he just a wonderfully talented chef, but he's also just a great human being. So 
I'm excited to see what kind of opportunities there are for um, him with the Yale bar as well. And that's, I mean, we could talk more. I mean, we've already yammered on enough, but that's just a smattering of the new places that we're looking forward to in 2024. And uh, like I said, that really only takes us to June. We haven't even scratched the surface for the rest of the year. So we will probably weigh in again uh, later on with future picks uh, that we're excited about. And I'm sure there'll be tons of them. So that brings us to our micro rant. And this week, we're going to talk about restaurants that don't answer their phones during open hours. That just drives me crazy. There are so many times that, you know, you might be wanting to order something to go or, you know, you lost your wallet or you're seeing if the place is open on a Monday or uh, this happened to me. I was trying to get a message to somebody that I knew was there and wasn't responding. And another time I was trying to buy them a dessert and I I wasn't able to do it just because they they weren't answering their phone. And and so that's just I I know that, you know, the, the, the defense is, hey, we're too busy. We'd rather, you know, take care of the customers that are there. But I think there's a point where you either have a phone and use it or just say the heck with it. We're not going to have a phone. And there's a lot of people that do that, too. You know, and, and my contention is, hey, if you're not answering the phone, there's a good chance that your competitor is. I just think for all those six reasons I stated that it's a darn good reason to pick up the phone during. Business. Exactly. Well, and I mean, I'm of the uh, I'm of the mindset that you should have a phone anyway. Like you said, you're running late for a coveted reservation that you've probably sat online at midnight to secure. And what if, you know, you had car trouble or there was an accident on the highway or something and you're in danger of having your table given away. So no, I I completely agree with you. I think it's, it's just one of those things where hospitality does not begin and end when you walk in the front door. It's an entire ongoing and evolving relationship with that restaurant. And the phone's definitely a part of that. I totally agree. And I agree with you about the reservation thing that happened to us. It's like, you know, reservations are held for 15 minutes and then anything goes. Well, some people run late and if you can't get through to them, it's really frustrating. And then you go in and say, I'm so sorry, so sorry, so sorry that we're running late, but we tried to get through and, you know, it's just, it just shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way. Shouldn't happen that way. Exactly. Answer your phones, everyone. That's it this week, folks, for Arch Eats. Best dishes and, might I say, Happy New Year. There are links in the show notes to all the places we talked about today. We encourage you to follow Arch Eats and share us with your friends. And remember that we put out a new episode every other week. You can also subscribe to our newsletters at STLMag slash newsletters or follow us on Instagram at St. Louis Mag or follow me at George Mayhe. 